This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Daniel Gallen. We are fresh out of the Beaver Stadium press box on the first Saturday of October 2022, where we did not see what we thought we would see. Coming from two reporters on the beat who picked Penn State to cover a 25-point spread. I, I, I did not pick them to cover. So I, oh, well, thank I you. for where, where, do you, where do you land on the uh, on the scoreboard on this I, one? I think I picked them to win by 25. So, you know, oh, in the, okay. it, it shows up in the win <laughs> column. But, uh, you know, we, we got I got to want to know this week somehow. Well, so Penn State did as well, despite you know a five turnover day for for them, which followed up four games in which they turned the ball over once. Fortunately for them, they were playing Northwestern, and we got a good sample size of exactly why the Wildcats are in a really struggled situation right now. It starts with their offensive attack, uh, extends to the quarterback play. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the good things that Penn State's defense did on this one, but. Ultimately, we're talking about a program at Penn State entering the week on the doorstep of a top 10 national ranking 4-0. And we said we wanted to see a clean game, a sharp game after performance that was not exactly up to par against Central Michigan. Come out of this 60 minutes later, throwing the rain as a factor, as though James Franklin said, not going to use that as an excuse. Both teams had to deal with it. And Daniel, this was a worse overall performance than what they gave us in, in game four. At the same time, you got to remind ourselves it was a 10-point win. They are 5-0, and but you work your way towards this beastly stretch in October of Big Ten football. Feeling less confident about this Penn State squad than you did two weeks ago when they returned home from Auburn. It was just not a good afternoon, and it was pretty clear from the jump uh, that that first quarter – uh, was just full of struggles. You had John Clifford's first interception uh, since week one. You had Nick Singleton's first fumble. Uh, Northwestern couldn't take advantage of either of those mistakes. Um, and that just kind of set the tone for what the entire afternoon was like uh, for Penn State, um, for Northwestern, and, and just the game overall. I think there is something to be said for winning ugly and to actually win a game where you turn the ball over five times, uh, no matter who the opponent is. But at the same time, we wanted to see Penn State come in and have a clean game, uh, especially after a little bit of shakiness last week against Central Michigan. Um, and it was it was different. I mean, I feel like the, the struggles that we saw today were different than what we saw last week um, against Central Michigan. But you still don't come away that confident from it. And I think after the Central Michigan game uh, last week, we were saying, okay, like this is, you know, the staff is going to have a lot of things to put on tape and to show these guys uh, going into Northwestern. And now we know that the staff is going to have a ton of things to show these guys over the next two weeks 
uh, through the bye and when they go into Michigan next week. So not what we expected to see. Uh, I thought that Penn State was going to be able to take care of business pretty easily, uh, even with the weather conditions, and uh, that was clearly not the case today. Yeah, when you look at, at this matchup, it took Penn State a while to get going. They took a seven nothing lead with 15 seconds remaining in the first quarter. Uh, you know, there's a positive to, to shed some light on real quick. And, and Brenton Strange hurdling a defender, finding the end zone. He now has more receiving yards than he had through 13 games all of last year. He has more touchdown receptions now. He has four of those than he did all of last season, and he continues to be a bright spot week in, week out for this offensive attack. Definitely. Uh, I asked him about that. I said, after the game, I told him more more yards, uh, more touchdowns on fewer catches. Uh, he's averaging 15.4 yards per catch, which is a big number uh, for a tight end. Um, so, And he said that he you know, really took a different approach this offseason, uh, wanted to be consistent. And I think that he's really showcased that consistency. That's been really big for him. Um, but that touchdown, uh, I... I really, really like that play design with a little bit of a fake toss. Uh, Sean Clifford really moved, I felt, assertively uh, through that play um, where just no hesitation went exactly where he needed to go. Um, I think Northwestern bit on the fake and exactly how uh, it was drawn up. Um, And so it ended up being a a pretty easy pitch and catch. Um, And then Brent Strange was telling us last week uh, that um, you know, he noticed that guys have started going low, really low when they try to tackle him. So he likes to go high. Um, he likes to try to put these hurdles together and uh, <laughs> it got him into the end zone today for definitely. I think the offense is, you know, maybe their I think it was their best play of the day um, and definitely one of the brightest spots. And this offense was working with the short field that felt like all day long, and they just were not able to capitalize on that. Turnovers were huge issues. But while Penn State was finding its time to get offensive rhythm, Northwestern was just so bogged down. Uh, They had 13 total yards on 14 plays through the first quarter. Uh, I remember tracking uh, Ryan Holinsky through five offensive possessions for Northwestern. He was 0 of 5 passing with an interception. All five, uh, all five of those possessions lasted three plays. Uh, so Penn State, you were just waiting for the offense to find something, generate some of that spark, and, and put this one out of reach. And it felt like it was all there. The short field was working for them. But, man, the turnover bug today, especially in that running back room, which we have some things to address coming out of this one. Let's put that mildly. Uh, but Nick Singleton was the starter for the third consecutive game. I think he had seven carries on the first possession, uh, which ultimately led to a, a, a short field for Penn State. And they decided to, t- to punt the ball um, on a fourth and, and one situation. And, you know, that was kind of interesting to see. Um, but ultimately, though, Nick Singleton got a lot of work. And then it was Kevon Lee involved. We didn't see Catron Allen until the second half, Daniel. But it was very clear from the get-go. Penn State wanted to establish itself on the ground. You'd imagine whether it w- was a factor there. But James Franklin said uh, this was really what their game plan called for. They ran the ball more than 50 times today. Third most uh, k- rush attempts for a, a Franklin-led program in Penn State. So that's a nine-year sample size at this point. Definitely. And when you look at the final numbers, I mean, it, it wasn't a bad uh, wasn't a bad rushing day. Um, you look at you know, even with the kneel downs at the end of the game, they, they finished with 3.8 yards per carry, which on its face isn't the best number, but you know, 4.1 for Singleton, 4.1 for Allen, 4.0 for Lee. Um, Sean Clifford was even at, at 4.3. Um, but 
I went through and I looked at last year and 3.8 yards per carry, uh, including the, the kneel downs and everything. That's a better mark than Penn State had in 10 of their 13 games last year. So this running game is improved from the overall effectiveness of it. But I think the fumbles really, really loom large. James Franklin said that the weather is no excuse. Um, that's kind of what the the rest of the players on the team said. Um, you know, we didn't get to talk to any of the running backs today, but everyone else said that, yeah, you know, the weather can, can make things tough, but that's no excuse that they practice for this. They're prepared for this. Um, so, and I think that you look at the numbers, I mean, 21 for 87 and a touchdown for Singleton, 21 for 86 for Allen, 10 for 40 for Lee. Um, it's just, it's not bad numbers, but it's the fact that they couldn't finish those drives that you see this production leading to only 17 points. Um, and I think that's a pretty black mark, a pretty big black mark coming out of this weekend. Penn state started a possession at their own 40 yard line or better seven, seven different times during the course of this game, Daniel, they got two touchdowns out of that. They lost two of those possessions to fumbles. And then they had some situations where they ended up punting from midfield or, or just a bit inside of Northwestern territory. And there just felt like a lot of opportunities where the defense kept forcing three and outs or getting the ball back on takeaways. They had three takeaways. Uh, they have 11 turnovers forced in, in, in three consecutive in, in the last three games. I saw Penn State comms put out a, a stat. That's the most in a three game uh, span for Penn State since the mid 1990s. So many Diaz take a bow uh, and, and the, this defensive group because they didn't really let it get scary. And Northwestern started making some plays in the passing game later in the game that just weren't showing up for them early. And it felt like Northwestern was never going to generate any passing yards. It took them 20 minutes to generate any passing yards on, on the game. Uh, but but the defense was able to really just keep this one as, as messy as it got offensively. It really never allowed Penn State to put themselves on upset alert. Jake Pinniger was able to, to get a 38-yard field goal to make this one a 10-point game as things extended. But look, the win is the win is the win kind of conversation is great. And we kind of had that last week. But we've talked about what's lo looming for Penn State on their schedule. And I think we have to start with the ball security just because it was such a strange a strange occurrence. And, and James Franklin said he's really never seen anything like that. Nick Singleton, you know, he's done some great things today. He had he had the ball 20 to 21 times in his hand, but he lost two fumbles uh, and, and he was sequestered to the sideline from that second fumble in the second quarter all the way until about five minutes left in the game. We did not see Nick Singleton get another touch. Kevon Lee uh, lost lost his opportunity. Uh, you know, we didn't see him get back in the game when he had a fumble. And then Katron Allen, who was nowhere to be found uh, except on the sideline for the first half. We don't know why James Franklin wasn't going to get into us uh, that with us in a public setting afterwards. But for whatever reason, Katron Allen, after being Big Ten Freshman of the Week last year, last week, comes in, doesn't play in the first half, ends up with 21 carries, though, after halftime. And it's like, OK, so in a game where Penn State has two guys go 20 plus carries, you end up with a 17 to 7 victory. I just want to put it out there. Penn State had four running backs get 20 carries or more during a 26-game span going back to the 2020 season through this week. So this is highly irregular, and I think if you had said those guys are both getting 20 carries going into this one, you'd have thought Penn State was pounding Wildcats into the pavement. <laughs> so it's really hard to marry the two realities of what we witnessed this uh, in this game, and you have to imagine that you take out two or three of these fumbles, the score looks different, but you don't get to do that. They exist, and this is the result.
Katron Allen certainly made up for lost time um, when he mm. got back in there. He he started that uh, first drive of the second half, uh, carried a heavy load, and then as soon as Kevon Lee got in to spell Katron Allen, that's when Kevon Lee fumbles, and he never got a, another carry the rest of the way. Um, so you look at how uh, Penn State, Jaylon Sider, James Franklin have managed these running backs in the pat in the past, and it is kind of that. Um, you know, for lack of a better term, it's pretty punitive um, the way that it goes, where if you fumble, you're going to the sideline. Um, I think we saw that last year with Kevon Lee um, at different points where he was the most, it seemed like he was the most effective running back Penn State had. But I think in the Indiana game, he had a fumble. Um, and after that, he was not seen from uh, much again. So it is interesting. And we saw this last week, too, I think, with uh, Nick Singleton trying to bounce a run outside. Uh, getting stopped for a loss. Jaylon Sider not happy on the sideline. And then we didn't see Nick Singleton for a while um, after that. So it's interesting to see how this is handled. Um, like you said, I mean, Nick Singleton went, you know, essentially almost two quarters um, without um, without a carry. Uh, Kevon Lee disappeared in the second half. Um, Katron Allen, the drive after his fumble, he wasn't the first running back, uh, back out there. Um, but it is something that, I feel like I haven't really seen anything like this either. Um, you talk about, um, you know, the, the circumstances and the conditions and, you know, I've, I've watched a lot of football games uh, in, in the rain and very wet conditions. And I can't really remember seeing something like this. And you know, Nick Singleton had the two fumbles. He had a third where he was already down or the whistle had already blown uh, before the ball came out. Um, and it was just kind of, uh, you know, a lot of things that could go wrong went wrong for them. And I think that that definitely, with the way that they were moving the ball, uh, it definitely shows up on the scoreboard. I mean, they definitely left a ton of points out there today. James Franklin said after this game, he felt like they, in a lot of ways, dominated the game, especially at the point of attack up front, which I think he really wanted to, to, to have Penn State coming out of this game feeling that way. But he says those turnovers just skew your perspective of this game so much, and rightly so. Um, we have to note here, we mentioned those three running backs combining for four fumbles. You did not have Devin Ford on the field today, and you will not have Devin Ford in an Indy Lions uniform ever again. This was one of the more startling circumstances we've really encountered midseason during a Penn State uh, schedule. It's not like Devin Ford was an ascending figure on this roster, but he was very much stabilized as a veteran presence, as a guy who they were uh, turning to uh, in pass downs at running back. He's involved in kickoff specialist. Seven carries this season. All of them came on the road at Auburn. He had a big fourth down catch uh, at Purdue to move the chains when they needed it late. Um, and frankly, you wrote one hell of a story uh, less than two weeks ago after we got Devin Ford on a phone call uh, about his loyalty to the program, about why he was seeing his career through. James Franklin, in, in acknowledging that Devin Ford is no longer a member of this team in his postgame press conference, added that this is a decision based on Devin uh, based on Devin Ford's decision, and it also is about him leaning towards academics, wanting to focus on academics. Now, here's the other thing: here he had four games in the books that puts you at the red shirt threshold. Devin Ford has not used the red shirt yet in his college career. He still has the NCAA year of the uh, COVID eligibility left, so technically. Because of where he is right now, he can play college football not just into next year, but also into 2024 when you factor in the red shirt being applied to this season. So there are some things in play if he resurfaces as a college football player. Uh, but for now, the reality of the matter is for as much as you love these two freshmen and what they've done, 
all of a sudden they're 67% of your scholarship backfield because Devin Ford follows Kaziah Holmes off the roster about six, seven weeks after the fellow top 24-7 prospect hit the transfer portal. I know you think about where we were in August uh, in media day, and I talked to Kaziah Holmes also about his decision to stay. And you know, he, both he and Devin Ford talked about competing. Uh, they believe they had things to contribute um, and that they thought that they could make an impact uh, for this team. And I think from our perspective, we were looking at it like this is a great spot to be in, um, you know, five, five running backs for the second year in a row who have division one experience or who are division one capable backs um, when you look at things and, you know, there's so much depth, but it is, it's always kind of striking how quickly all of that depth can disappear. Um, you know, after Kaziah Holmes entered the transfer portal in August, you're kind of like, all right, you're down to four and you could see the very kind of um, concrete roles um, that everyone had with Devin Ford as that veteran with the two upstart freshmen, with Kevon Lee as sort of the incumbent, the pieces fit together. And now when you're going forward, you've got the two freshmen, Kevon Lee, and then, you know, Tank Smith uh, as a walk-on is kind of now that that next guy up. And suddenly, you know, Devin Ford was, you know, not the most productive, but you knew that he was there and you knew that if you put him in the game, he would probably do what he was supposed to do. Um, and you and losing that is tough. So it is going to be interesting to see how this shakes out. Uh, you know, we've seen it firsthand with Penn State the past couple of years that uh, running back is a very physically demanding uh, position. Um, you know, it's it's easy to get hurt uh, playing that because of the pounding that you take um, and the depth is disappearing there. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle this moving forward. Um, I think you you pulled up the picture and the, the Lawn Boys era uh, from 2019 is officially over. Uh, the book is closed on that. Um, but, you know, Penn State has talent, but not depth really now at that spot. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah, I know they still call themselves the Long Boys, but with Devin Ford leaving and you know him and Journey Brown and Noah Kane and Ricky Slade, that was the group in 2019. They did some really special things uh, along the way, and, and now you kind of look at the new crew, and, and Kevon Lee, of course, isn't so new. We've gotten to know him the last few years, but clearly the, the, at the forefront of this are the freshmen, both going 20-plus on carries. Um, you know, the, the concerning part is something you alluded to, J1 Sider, that last week of August told us he feels like he can put Devin Ford in any position uh, during the game, no matter what the situation is. And he said that's something he really, really valued. It, that's no longer there at your disposal in that running back room. Uh, you know, 
needless to say, it's a teachable moment they're going out of this game. And Devin Ford, at least on the surface, appeared to be a guy who could help through those teachable moments with some of the younger players. And um, something that, you know, there's more to this story that we'd like to get to. And, and Devin Ford's been great to deal with for the most part uh, since he got to campus. So an abrupt departure from the roster like this, when it really felt like a feel-good story um, and kind of something that was a little bit different than where college football is trending, it's jolting. It's a little. It's a little jarring. Uh, and, and you're the guy who wrote that story, so I know you feel the same way. It's uh, you know we're focused on the on the 17-7 outcome here, and there's a lot of other players to, to look at rather than the third or fourth string running back. But we are talking about a top 100 prospect back in his day, uh, someone who started some Penn State football games along the way, and has been uh, at least a component of this backfield to some degree under J1 Sider for the last three years. So um, it, it's something that we'll continue to monitor. And we, if we have more news on that with Devin Ford's future, we'll pass that along. But uh, going in the backfield, but to the quarterback position, people are probably surprised almost 20 minutes into the podcast. We haven't really talked about Sean Clifford. His stat line, uh, 10 of 20, 140 yards, one touchdown, one interception. James Franklin read that stat line to us and then said uh, that performance was not up to the standard that he feels – Sean Clifford has set during his career. Um, I will tell you, Daniel, I thought progressively as the game wore on, Sean Clifford uh, looked worse. I, I thought you know, the first few drives, there were moments there. Uh, he had a couple yikes throws early. One was the interception. Another could have been intercepted. And I remember last week we were saying, well, even as the offense was kind of sputtering and you weren't really seeing explosive plays, Sean did a pretty good job last week of not putting the ball in harm's way. He, he, he did not duplicate that performance. Uh, they did not generate explosive plays. They had one big gain when they really needed it. Uh, to Parker, Washington, it was kind of a, a, a spark that they really needed offensively. But there was a, another deep shot to Parker, Washington, one of those kill shots that was available for them late. It was a bad miss by Clifford. One play later, he's got a clean, clean pocket. And something we've seen Clifford fall back on in some of his uh, worst moments as a starting quarterback is he kind of mucks up his own pocket, doesn't set his feet, throws off platform when he doesn't need to. The ball goes awry. It was not a confidence-inducing performance from a quarterback who started uh, his 30th game as a Nittany Lion. And remember, going into this one, there was a lot of news about or a lot of rumors, a lot of speculation is Sean Clifford healthy? Are we going to see Drew Aller a lot? Are we going to see Drew Aller maybe even start? Some people were wondering. Well, we didn't see Drew Aller start. And for the first time this year, we didn't see Drew Aller take a single snap. And it was the Sean Clifford show, and it left a lot to be desired heading into a two-week break where they're going to need a lot better of a performance from him in Ann Arbor if they want to continue this unbeaten streak. The misses today were – they were – just more dangerous than we've seen, I think, this year. I mean, last week against Central Michigan, there were some bad misses in terms of overthrowing uh, just the ball, not not near the receiver, but those were all kind of out of harm's way. There wasn't really too many defenders in the area, but I mean, James Franklin said it himself that he probably should have had more than one interception. Um, there were a couple drops. There were a couple that hit guys in the hands. Uh, that miss to Parker Washington was tough. Um, there's another play where he had Harrison Wallace open, uh, sailed the ball a little high and then went right through Wallace's hands. Um, there was just kind of a, a lot of plays that, that you would want back. Um, and the fact that they were running the ball so much and that, um, you know, Clifford only had 20 pass attempts is that, you know, they were mostly throwing it when they really needed it. Um, and when it was, you know, they needed the play to convert and Clifford couldn't deliver, um, that play to Parker Washington was 
really nice pass, really good play. Um, like I said earlier, touchdown to Brenton Strange was a really good play, but it just wasn't consistent. Um, Clifford just looked the most off that he's looked all year. Um, the type of performance that even with the weather conditions uh, coming out of it, you just it was not confidence inspiring, especially when you think about what is due up uh, later, later this month at Michigan, at Hoban against Minnesota, who who lost today, but then Ohio State after that. Um, and Penn State is going to need Clifford to play a clean game at like the bare minimum. Um, they're going to need him to do a lot more than that if they want to win those games. And it's really hard to look at that quarterback who was out there today and think, oh, yeah, this is uh, – you know, this is a guy that that can make that happen. So, yeah, the stat line was the stat line doesn't look good. Um, I think it was one of those things where, in person, it looked a little bit worse than the stat line. Um, and I think that it's going to be a big two weeks for Clifford uh, as you look at uh, you know what looms after the bye week. Yeah, I think you've got to go all the way back to that uh, that brutal opening stretch back in 2020, a home game against Maryland. Uh, when he com- completed 47% of his passes the last time Sean Clifford had, had a completion percentage this low in, in a game. And, and and 20 passes, to your point, I mean, wow, 51 rushes for, for, for these running backs and then and then 20 throws over the course of this game. Uh, Sean Clifford admitted afterwards that he is not a fan of the weather they dealt with. He said the, uh, the, the ebbs and flows of the rainstorm, not getting consistent storm not knowing what it was going to look like series by series was an issue for him. James Franklin, though, as he talked about with the running backs, and then he applied it to Sean Clifford, he's not going to let them use weather as an excuse. He's not going to let the staff do that. Uh, And look, this is the conversation that's going to loom large now. It's People are going to see the 5-0. Penn State may very well be ranked inside the top ten. I don't know. Uh, you know, we'll see how how this performance, you know, maybe dings them a little bit in the rankings. But regardless, they're going to make it to this matchup unbeaten in Ann Arbor. Uh, people are really though going to put this one on Sean Clifford. And based on the last couple of uh, of weeks, and based on, let's face it, thirty eight starts, um, there's going to be a question of whether Sean Clifford can elevate Penn State on the road and 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 do that without getting in some costly mistakes uh, against the Michigan team that's going to be opportunistic. Uh, I think we've got a lot to learn about the Wolverines. I don't think they were who they were last year, uh, You know, the team that won the Big Ten title. But they're still a pretty darn good program, and they've got a lot of talent on that field. And, and we know that Penn State has plenty of talent. We've seen it pop up in different areas. But you're still waiting on the explosive plays downfield. Again, they had the, the one outlier, really, with the Parker-Washington connection. But we're talking about a couple weeks in a row now where you're going up against pretty severely inferior opponent on the perimeter versus what you have from a talent perspective. I know you're dealing with Mother Nature today, but there were moments where kill shots were available for you in each of the last couple weeks. And I think when you're taking on a a foe that is clearly at a lesser degree um, in in terms of competition, you've got to be able to deliver those. And when you're not doing it in these matchups – makes you a little hesitant to think that Sean Clifford can deliver one of those kind of moments when it's a tie game or you're trailing by three or you're up by three and you're on the road in a Big Ten matchup because those are are ultimately going to swing Penn State either toward a magical run towards getting to Indianapolis or maybe losing three games along the way. You think about what he looked like in that Auburn game where it was just he was so in control. It was such a clean game and even though he didn't have the touchdowns, he didn't have the gaudy stats. I think it was like 14 of 19 for 178, maybe. Um, 
but you felt like that was kind of a springboard uh, where you saw Clifford go into the hostile environment. He got the support from the running game. He stayed out of his own way. Uh, and he just did a good job of kind of helping that offense through that game. And you thought, okay, like from basically from the Purdue game, end of the Purdue game on, you were like, oh, he's got it figured out. Um, you know, he has found kind of a, a new baseline of play. And in the past two weeks, that's just really gone down a little bit. Um, I mean, the in the Central Michigan game, he still got Penn State into the end zone. Um, he still got Penn State into the end zone today. Um, but I think that it's everything that that's in between um, is really kind of what the issue is. And, and we saw him bounce back really well against Purdue um, through the pick six, came back, led the, the two minute drill uh, for the game winning touchdown. Um, and so you've seen him kind of in, in the valleys, uh, peaks and valleys of a single game. Um, and I think when you kind of extrapolate that over a whole season, now you're seeing him in one of those valleys. Um, and I think that the question now is, uh, you know, how sustained is this valley going to be? Um, is he going to be able to, to work his way back? Um, because, you know, it seems like sometimes it's, it's a struggle for him uh, to, to get back out of funks like this. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I think that, you know, I think we look at this line a little bit differently, maybe if the running backs don't fumble. And instead of 17-7, it's 31-7. I think that maybe this feels a little bit different. But at the same time, even when it was a a 14-0 game, it felt like a 31-0 game, um, the way that that this game was played. So it was just kind of a – it wasn't just – it was not inspiring uh, to see this from Sean Clifford at this juncture, you know, weather aside. Now, I will say this about Northwestern because we spent a lot of time leading up to the game uh, about them not being a good good team and, and Sean Clifford. You know, th- this is where you want to see Sean Clifford look, you know, like he's going to be a bit surgical against a team that has been struggling to this point. I think that's kind of the concern. Northwestern rolled into this matchup really on a low. I mean, we 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 broke it down. They, they trailed. Uh, they were buried by Nebraska early in that game. They end up winning the game. Uh, they lose three straight at home. They fell behind 21 points in one of those games. They lose to Southern Illinois, which is an FCS opponent. Um, so you add that all up, and you, and you say, well, Sean Clifford, what do you want? What, what's kind of the the last act you want to see from number 14 before you tuck him away and then come out against Michigan? This was not the taste you wanted in your mouth. You wanted Sean Clifford to 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 you know orchestrate this offense well. And and again, if if those fumbles don't happen, you probably do pile up more points. Sean Clifford probably has some opportunities run for a touchdown, throw a touchdown. Who knows what happens without those fumbles, but they happen. So uh, Sean Clifford, over the course of this game, you just didn't see him look like a superior talent on the football field when among 22 guys out there, he should be one of those. I mean, you need your quarterback to be and look that part if you want to fulfill the ambitions that Penn State has right now at 5-0. and And I think that is the concerning thing because you look over toward the sideline and, and Drew Aller, who did not get involved today, a lot of people have talked about, well, what could the ceiling look like with him long term? How could he maybe change some things up right now? And I think everyone feels it today like ah, here it is again. I can feel it. Our head's hitting the ceiling. And Sean Clifford is the one who's kind of representing what that ceiling is. And it's a frustrating situation to be because, you know, I, I know we haven't had a lot of podcasts where we come out talking about uh, a game like this or performance like this that gives you some pause, makes you wonder what's going to happen moving forward. But spent a lot of time on other post game podcasts for the last two, three years. 
dealing with you know the conversation of can Sean Clifford take the next step and and doing so help Penn State take the next step. One thing that wasn't part of the equation for a lot of those conversations at late late at night like this was the fact that they have the number one quarterback prospect in the country in that quarterback room right alongside with him on the practice field right alongside with him in pregame warmups right alongside with him. And that is the elephant in the room right now. And that's what's going to be uh, really carrying the conversation, I think, between now and kickoff on October 15th, at least here locally on the beat, is going to be for the next seven games, Penn State's trying to make their push towards a college football playoff appearance for Big Ten title contention. Does, does James Franklin entertain the idea of getting Drew Aller involved, uh, not necessarily as a starter, but just keeping him involved? Uh, that's a question, not because if you took away Drew, Drew Aller now, I think you may be shortchanging what your offense can do. And we didn't see him today. I don't know what the plan is moving forward. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that you have to say is uh, Drew Aller isn't stopping those running backs from from fumbling the four times. But, I mean, it is uh, it is a tough spot. Um, I think that if you kind of look at what James Franklin was saying earlier this week, that they would have liked to get Drew Aller some time. Um, and I think that they were probably hoping or, you know, maybe even expecting uh, the chance to, to get him in um, and, you know, to possibly get him that that mythical second quarter series uh, that we've been hearing about so often. Right. Um, and now, you know, it's, you know, when's the next chance we could see that? Um, it's kind of hard to see that happening against Michigan, um, you know, or Ohio State. Who knows what Minnesota will look like in a couple weeks? Um, who knows what any of those games in November will look like? So I think that it would take uh, a pretty good leap of faith uh, from James Franklin, from Mike Yersich to, to put Drew Aller in that type of situation. But at the same time, you know, they're seeing what they have in practice. There's a reason he's the number two quarterback, um, and they felt comfortable making him that before he'd even gotten some kind of mop-up duty. Um, he came out in that Purdue series and looked the looked competent, looked calm, uh, made a couple nice throws. Um, and I think that the players know um, what they have in Drew Aller back there too. I mean, the feedback that we've gotten uh, from offensive players and defensive players um, has all been glowing praise. So it sounds like behind the scenes that he is impressing, that he is looking the part um, of this five-star number one quarterback that that we expect him to be. Um, and I think with that kind of talented player, you think that he can have a chance to, to make a difference uh, against an opponent like Michigan, like an opponent like Ohio State. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if it gets to that point, like what the threshold is for that to happen, um, because I think that you probably could have made a case that today um, you got to that threshold uh, with what the offense was doing and, and we didn't see a change. Um, James Franklin said that it never even came up uh, on the headset with Yersich and the assistants. So it'll be something to watch. Um, they've got two weeks to, to think about this now. Um, when you think about where they were at their bye last week, it was Sean Clifford, an injured Sean Clifford, um, mm. a Taquan Roberson who was unable to do anything. And they had two weeks to try to figure something out. And it was, well, we're going to play injured Sean Clifford um, against Illinois. Calculus is a little bit different now and they have two weeks. Um, so I think it'll be, I think that their season kind of hinges on what kind of adjustments that they're able to make um, beyond the quarterback spot, you know, what they can do within the offense, 
to make sure that they can avoid uh, things like we saw today. You certainly want to get a better result coming out of the bye than you got last week, which <laughs> last year, which was just an absolute disaster. Of course, during the bye week, my daughter was born, so I'll never forget uh, <laughs> that 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 portion of the season in 2021. Um, looking over at the defense before we wrap up here, and we'll come back on Monday uh, with kind of a full scale thoughts. It's going to be a bye week setup for the podcast. We'll let you know what that looks like, but it will not be four episodes. But we got to give the defense some love because they held Northwestern to 241 total yards, only 31 of those yards on the ground, uh, one of four on fourth downs, uh, including a stop at the goal line, which can help preserve this, help preserve uh, things for Penn State to the point where it never got super scary in Beaver Stadium. Uh, and additionally, uh, you know, they, they got their hands on the ball again. Three takeaways. Uh, I, I don't know how many pass breakups they had today, but keep adding to that total. Um, overall, I thought they were in control. James Franklin really made it a point to say that they essentially bailed out the offense with some of those turnovers because they either got their hands right back on the ball or they forced a three and out. Uh, they were great for field position. They really helped Penn State's defense or Penn State's offense uh get the ball midfield a bunch of times. The complimentary uh, part of the game was 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 all there from the defensive side of the football. Uh, this was just a, a matchup where the offense didn't hold up its end of the bargain. The defense got credited with eight pass breakups today, which gives them 49 on the season. So that's 49 through five games after they had 48 in 13 games last year. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, so the, the no-fly zone uh, is in effect. Uh, it is interesting that the only player with multiple pass breakups was Hakeem Beeman, um, the defensive tackle. Uh, there was a back-to-back -back sequence on a, a third and fourth down um, later in the game where, where he knocked down two passes in a row. You know, when, when the quarterback is getting the ball out or you can't get to the quarterback, put the arms up, and Penn State has really had a lot of success with that. Um, but defense played really well today. Um, I think that the touchdown that they gave up, that 47-yarder, um, it looked like that they picked on Abdul Carter a little bit. Um, kind of a kind of a, a weird play um, with after the catch where uh, Jacob Gill made kind of a slight hesitation, even though he could have just kept running straight, and Abdul Carter just completely bit on it. Um, and so that was that was kind of curious to see. Um, at the same time, you know, that's a freshman and. It feels like that there's kind of a reason why the defensive coaches kind of James Franklin kind of says we don't want to put too much on his plate. Um, you know, we want to keep bringing him along and, and see what he can manage. Um, but overall, I mean, the defense was, you know, I thought, pretty stellar. You know, they got the stops that they needed to. Uh, they got after Ryan Holinsky. Nick Tarburton had a strip sack um, in the first half. It, they were going, you know, basically turnover for turnover. Um with with Northwestern so I thought it was another kind of good confidence inspiring performance from this defense um, you kind of see the the highs and the lows of what Manny Diaz wants to do where every once in a while there will be some chunk plays available um, that there will be some conversions on third down I think James Frank Franklin brought that up again today um, as something that they that they want to get fixed up a little bit um, so, but I think overall you feel good about this defense. It's hard to argue with the results, um, at, at five and zero. um, only gave up seven points, uh, today. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I like what they're doing out there. I mean, how about this, that zero points off turnovers, uh, for Northwestern mm -hmm. and they had five of them. I mean, that's just absolutely huge. 
to halt that momentum from the defensive side of the football, to not put your offense in a position where they have to go on the field and all of a sudden be panicked in a tie game or up by three. Got a little dicey at 14-7, uh, but but I'll tell you what, this defense just never really allowed you to feel, and along with Northwestern's offense, never really allowed you to feel uh, like this one was in doubt, even when Penn State just kept giving the ball back over uh, uh, five three and outs forced by this Penn State defense. Um, I kind of called my shot going into the game, and I was wrong on this, saying that Deny Dennis Sutton and Abdul Carter were, were going to have big games. Uh, both had really learning moments. Deny Dennis Sutton uh, got flagged for, for a late hit, a uh, 15-yard penalty. Uh, Abdul Carter, as you mentioned, kind of uh, posterized a bit on that touchdown. There were some moments where I saw veterans on the team trying to position him pre-snap. Didn't look like he was all that comfortable in some areas here. So Abdul Carter, game by game, it's a progress. Uh, It's a process. We know he's going to be important for this defense. I think ultimately this is not going to be one of those highlight moments in his young career, though. Uh, Two veterans, though, stood out. Two guys that have been playing college football for a while now, fifth-year seniors, Jair Brown. Uh, PJ Mustafer, I'll tell you, week by week, I, I thought yet last week I really for the first time said PJ Mustafer is doing some things that are starting to really look reminiscent of how he was handling himself uh, in the first half of the 2021 season. Saw more of that today. Led the team for the second consecutive week, actually, with eight total tackles. Uh, he was important in that fourth down and goal stop. And then Jair Brown flying around, a tackle for loss, an interception. He hurried the quarterback on another play. So uh, as much as we were saying, hey, watch out for all the freshmen. They're going to burn their red shot. They're going to do burn their red shirts. They're going to do all this stuff. They had three combined fumbles at running back. The quarterback didn't get in. The defensive players didn't do much. And sometimes you just got to lean on those vets and, and defensively, a big day for that group. PJ Mustafer really rounding back in the form is, is huge because you can't teach that size and, and you can't teach the athleticism that, that comes with that size. And we saw what happened last year after he went out um, and having him in there, I think just does wonders. Um, we knew that Northwestern was going to lean on Evan Hull uh, and they really weren't able to do much with him. You know, 11 carries, 45 yards, um, as a team, uh, once you factor in some sacks and, and lost yardage, I mean, 1.1 1. 1, uh, yards per carry for Northwestern as a team. Um, I mean, I think that that's, that's pretty impressive, um, no matter the circumstances of the game. And Jair Brown, I mean, he came up like it looked like a heat-seeking missile uh, on the one of his, I think it might have been the tackle for loss, where he came up from the safety spot, um, you know, was rocketed in there, made a hit. Um I think that he's playing at a really high level. I, I feel like it, it took him you know, probably until that Auburn game to really hit his stride as kind of the playmaker we envisioned him to be um, coming in and kind of stepping into the, you know, well, not stepping into the Jaquan Brisker role, but trying to be that playmaker, trying to be in the right spot. Um, and Manny Diaz is using him in a lot of different and unique ways. Um, so I think that, Jair Brown playing at this level is something that can really elevate a defense and elevate a team. They limited Northwestern to 22 minutes of time and possession. It really was a dominant performance in a lot of different ways. And then you see that glaring five in the turnover column. You look at the final score of 17 to seven and and you kind of understand how it got to that point. Uh, just a couple of roster notes here. Uh, Kaziah Izzard, by the way, did get back to game action. We, we said during the week we saw him back on the practice field in his own number instead of a scout team jersey. Uh, that did lead to him being on the field for this one, making his 2022 season debut at defensive tackle. Going to be a, a, a backup option there. 
Uh, last year, he started seven games with P.J. Mustafer out. They've obviously flashed some depth through the first four games. Now he adds to that. It's going to be important going on the road to Michigan. Still no Smith Vilbert out there at defensive end. We'll monitor his uh, availability moving ahead, but 0 for 5 now in game action. And then Keandre Lambert-Smith, uh, a starter now for Penn State the last few years, um, left this game wearing a walking boot uh, after the after the matchup. So we'll be monitoring that. It's been Harrison Wallace, the second-year wide receiver, who's who's been kind of sh- getting a, a cut of Keandre Lambert-Smith's uh, uh, run on the field on a weekly basis. If Keandre Lambert-Smith were to miss some time, you'd assume Wallace is the next man up there. James Franklin indicated that as much. Um, but we'll, we'll keep tabs on that. This is a bye week ahead, so we'll have a little bit less interaction with the team, a little bit less looks at the team, although we'll get back onto the practice field again. Daniel, anything else to add before we wrap up this post-game podcast? I think and speaking of uh, fifth-year seniors, redshirt freshmen, uh, we saw Charlie Catcher for the first time this That's year. Right. Um, that felt notable. Uh, he was in there at, at the Sam linebacker spot uh, behind Sutherland. And we saw a lot, a little bit less Dom DeLuca uh, than we'd seen the past couple weeks. But, you know, that's someone who's dealt with a lot of injuries in his career. Um, it's been really tough for him to, to stay on the field. I think we saw him in, in a sling uh, in the spring. Um, and, and to see him out there, um, I thought was was pretty cool. And he was out there in some pretty he was out here there in a, in a close big 10 game um that's a pretty pretty big spot so um i think that that's something that that stood out to me and you know someone that we haven't seen yet this year someone who's been around for a while and um i think someone that you know whenever you can see them on the field you know that 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 means that something is going well for them um and you know you feel you know you feel pretty good about that yeah, nice to see for Charlie, a guy who's, who's been, battled through some injury issues, really going back to high school, hasn't really panned out the way he wanted it to at Penn State, but involved now as a fifth-year guy and, and on the field, something we, weren't, we were not sure if we would see uh, this autumn. So a nice nice note there, Daniel. And, and as we wrap up this podcast, uh, we'll be back on Monday. We'll, we'll break uh, down some of our thoughts coming out of this one in more detail. Uh, check out all of our content at lines247.com between now and then. We'll have a lot coming out of this game report guards, takeaways, snap counts, red shirt report. There were a few red shirts burned over the course of this matchup. So uh, there's a lot to delve through uh, coming out of this one and out of a 5-0 and start. Now it gets really, really real uh, when Penn State comes out of this bye week. But in the meantime, some opportunities to look back at the good, at the not so good from the first five games. We'll do all that and, and plenty more here on the podcast and on the website at lines247.com. On behalf of Daniel and our producer, Lance Glenn, I'm Tyler Donahue. Thank you everybody for listening to the Lions 24-7 podcast. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!